Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 12. Farewell, King's Son. At the end of Chapter 4, we heard about a small boy, son of King Ban of Benwick. After his father's death, he had been taken by Nimui, Lady of the Lake, who had brought him to her watery abode. It is here where we will now meet the young boy, whose name was Lancelot, again. The Lady of the Lake loved the little boy very much, and she wanted the best for him. It soon became clear that he was very clever and very skilful, and Nimui brought a tutor into the lake to teach him how to use bow and arrows, how to wield a sword, and how to use a spear. Lancelot was an excellent student, and quickly became a very good warrior. He also learned how to play chess, and he learned the secrets of mathematics. Lancelot grew up into a fine young man. He was strong and good-looking. Nimui said that if she had been able to create Lancelot from her own plans, then she would have made him exactly as he was. Although he did not yet know who his father was, Nimui began to call him King's Son. Despite being a King's Son, the young Lancelot was not without his rebellious streak. When he was quite young, Lancelot was off riding and hunting with his tutor and a few others. He was a great horseman, and when the party spotted a fine deer to hunt, he rode off in pursuit. His horse, and of course the rider, were much faster than anyone else, and they quickly lost the rest of the party, and chased after the deer on their own. Lancelot, excellent bowman that he was, got within range of the deer, and fired the perfect arrow. He killed it, and trussed it up ready to take home for dinner. And this is where the trouble started. First, Lancelot met a knight, who was due to appear at the court of King Claudas, to prove guilty a man who had killed his godfather. The evil king of the wasteland, though, had sent some of his men to ambush the knight. They killed his horse. Without the horse, the poor knight would never get to the court in time. A kind stranger had given him another horse, but it was old and tired. Lancelot, as generous as he was brave, gave his fine strong horse to the knight without a moment's thought, and took the tired old one in return. The horse was so old, and so very tired, that pretty soon Lancelot had to walk back towards home, carrying the heavy deer. Not long later, he met an old man who was looking panicked and weary. Lancelot discovered that the old man was a knight who had fallen on hard times and was in trouble. His daughter was marrying a noble knight, and he had nothing to offer the guests at the wedding feast. Lancelot, generous as he was brave, immediately gave the deer to the old knight. In return, he was given two very fine greyhounds. Before too long, Lancelot, dragging an old tired horse behind him and driving a couple of greyhounds forward, met his tutor. Lancelot was perfectly happy. The tutor was not. He had expected to see his student arrive on a very fine horse and carrying a deer for dinner. Instead, he was dragging a horse, which looked like it was never going to manage another dinner, and trying to control two greyhounds. He was absolutely livid, and wasted no time in showing it. Lancelot replied, quite reasonably, that he thought the greyhounds were excellent dogs, and worth much more than his original horse. He was probably right, but his tutor was not amused. "'You will regret even having that thought,' he raged at the boy. He raised his arms, and slapped Lancelot across the face, knocking him to the ground. Lancelot, without showing any sign of being in pain, got up and said he still thought the greyhounds were better than his horse. The tutor lost it badly at this point, and beat one of the greyhounds with a stick. Lancelot lost it even more badly, and pulled his bow from around his neck. 
With it, he beat the tutor until he was black and blue and the bow was smashed to pieces. The tutor, quite understandably, ran away. He ran, of course, back to the lake where he told Nimui exactly what his student had done to him. Nimui pretended to be very angry with Lancelot, but she was secretly pleased. He had done the right thing, giving away his horse and the deer to people who needed them more than he did. He had defended himself when his tutor had attacked him. He had stood up for what he believed in. All of these things were things he would need in the future. Nimui planned Lancelot's path. When he was old enough, she was going to send him to Britain. She was going to send him to the court of King Arthur, where he would be made a knight. Nimui smiled to herself. Lancelot of the Lake was going to do just fine. The Lady of the Lake came to a decision. Lancelot would need to be ready to travel to the court of King Arthur and be made a knight, and so she would spend the time she had left with him training him for his new life. Hopefully, if he did well, then he would become one of the famous Knights of the Round Table. She also made another decision. Lancelot's two cousins, Lionel and Bors, were still at the court of King Claudas of the Wasteland. He had promised to treat them well, but Nemui had heard they were actually in prison. The Lady of the Lake sent one of her junior enchantresses, who went by the name of Sariadi, to Gorns to try and free them. Taking two squires, each leading a greyhound, she travelled to Gorns. It seems that Sariadi must have been a very persuasive woman, as King Claudas immediately agreed to free the boys. When she went to see them, Sariadi gave Lionel and Bors enchanted gold clasps, which they put around their necks. These made them immune to weapons. The people of the city were delighted to see their princes and cheered them through the streets. When the boys were brought to eat at King Claudas's table, though, things went a bit wrong. Lionel, as brave and fearless as his cousin Lancelot, wasn't going to let a few years in prison go uncommented. When he was sat at the dinner table, he was given a cup to fill with wine. Taking no notice of the wine at all, he took the cup and smashed it over King Claudas's head. Claudas fell to the floor, stunned. His son, Dorin, leapt up and drew a sword. Lionel, looking for a weapon to defend himself, took King Claudas's ceremonial sword. Bors, thinking he'd better be armed too, grabbed the ceremonial scepter. Sariadi tried to pull the boys away to the door, but Dorin followed them. Lionel, headstrong and angry, swung the sword at Dorin. Bors joined in with the scepter, and within a few seconds, Dorin was dead. Sariadi, thinking quickly, cast a spell and turned the boys into greyhounds and the greyhounds into boys. Claudas, waking up to find total chaos and a dead son, ordered his men to seize the boys. They did, but they were not really Lionel and Bors, they were two dogs. Sariadi escaped with the two dogs, which were really Lionel and Bors. By the time the spell had worn off and Claudas had realised what had happened, the sons of King Bors of Gorns were safely in the lake. Lionel and Bors joined their cousin and grew up alongside him. Not that any one of them knew they were cousins. When Lancelot was 18, it was perfectly clear to everyone he had the potential to be one of the greatest of all knights. He was strong, quick, intelligent and courageous. The Lady of the Lake knew it was time to go and she summoned her stepson to talk to her. Lancelot told her he was ready and she agreed to take him to the court of King Arthur. First, though, she gave him a very long lecture about what it meant to be a knight. She told him about the ceremonies and the weapons, and about honour and chivalry. She did not tell Lancelot who he was. She simply called him King's son. 
the most important piece of advice she left until last. A knight must have two hearts, she told the willing listener, one as hard and impregnable as a diamond, and the other as soft and squishy as hot wax. With your hard heart you must oppose all treachery and cruelty and deal with the perpetrators harshly. With your soft heart you must treat good and compassionate people with honour and grace. Make sure, though, that you don't get the two hearts mixed up. Never attack good people with your hard heart and never let bad people get to your good heart. Lancelot nodded. For most of his life he would live by these rules. When eventually he didn't, when the realm of King Arthur was in grave danger, things got very bad indeed. But that is for a far distant chapter. For now, let's see what King Arthur is up to and then follow the young Lancelot to Britain. A few days after Lancelot and the lady left the lake, King Arthur was out hunting with some of his knights. Sir Gawain was there, of course, as were Sir Uwain, Sir Tor, Sir Kay, Sir Lucan and Sir Bedivere. They were about to enter the forest in which they had planned to hunt, when they were approached by two horses carrying a litter, which was a kind of chair with curtains designed to carry a person. In the litter was a knight, and the knight was in a bad way. Two broken lances were protruding from his body. This would have been bad enough, but what was much worse was the very ugly large rusty sword sticking out of his head. The litter approached the royal party. King Arthur, I need your help, said the knight. Arthur, thinking that the knight looked far beyond help, asked what he could do. The knight replied he wanted the two lance shafts and the sword removed, and he needed medical treatment. Arthur, thinking that this would be fine, said no problem. He didn't realise that there was a cat. The knight informed the king that whoever removed the weapons would also have to swear on holy relics to avenge him on everyone who said they loved the man who had inflicted the wounds. Arthur thought this was a bit much, and offered to avenge the knight on the man who had inflicted the wounds, not everyone else who loved that man. No need, replied the knight. I have already beheaded the man who gave me the wounds. Arthur told the knight in no uncertain terms he was not asking any of his knights to take on such a wide-open quest, but the knight could come to Camelot and rest while some of his other wounds were healed. The knight, rather grumpily, agreed and was taken back to court. There he was given a room and a bed, so he lay down for a comfortable sleep, or as comfortable a sleep as was possible given the large rusty sword sticking out of his head. Arthur and his friends hunted all day, and were about to ride home when they saw a convoy of horses and people approaching. It was the Lady of the Lake, with the King's son, a few squires and ladies, and the young princes of Gorns, Lionel and Bors. Lancelot was dressed entirely in white, as was his horse. He looked truly magnificent, tall, powerful and almost majestic. Arthur, Gawain and Uwain looked up at him, waiting for something to be said. It was the Lady of the Lake who spoke. She asked Arthur to make the young man a knight as soon as he requested it. Gawain urged Arthur to agree, and he did. He asked Sir Uwain to take the boy under his wing and look after him. The Lady of the Lake took her stepson's hand sadly, giving him an enchanted ring. My darling king's son, she said sadly, I want you to know that you really are the son of a king. In good time you will find out who he was. I can tell you, though, that Lionel and Bors are your cousins. Soon I will send Lionel to be a knight, and later I will send Bors too. I will look after them for now, now that you are gone, and they will remind me of you. It breaks my heart to let you go, 
but it is time for you to fulfil your destiny, for you will be the greatest of all knights. Go now, but don't spend too much time at Camelot. Go and seek adventure. Goodbye, dear king's son. Lancelot hugged the lady, then Lionel, and then Bors. Sir Uwain led him to Camelot. Having had a night's rest, the young man pestered Sir Uwain, asking that he be made a knight the following day. King Arthur was surprised that the youth was so impatient, but he had promised the Lady of the Lake that he'd make him a knight whenever he asked. The king asked Sir Gawain for his advice. Sir Gawain recognised in Lancelot someone very similar to himself, and he smiled at the king. Sir, he is a very fine young man. Make him a knight now. I am sure he won't let you down. From that day on, Lancelot and Sir Gawain, kindred spirits that they were, became friends. Until very near the end of the reign of King Arthur, they would remain friends and would always look out for each other. Queen Guinevere overheard the conversation and asked about the visitor. When Lancelot was described to her, she asked if she could meet him. Sir Uwain fetched the young man and brought him to see the king and queen. King Arthur was delighted to see that he looked even more impressive than he had the day before. Queen Guinevere, though, was smitten. Never had she seen such a fantastic-looking young man, and she couldn't keep her eyes off him. Lancelot looked at the Queen. He'd thought the Lady of the Lake was beautiful, but she wasn't in the same league as Guinevere. Every time he thought that Sir Uwain and the King were looking the other way, he gazed at the Queen and his head span. He knew, with total certainty, that he could never love another woman. His mind drifted as he tried to concentrate on what was being said. He was brought back to consciousness when the Queen tapped him on the arm. He almost shivered as she touched him. "'Where are you from, and what is your name?' asked Guinevere. Lancelot answered, perfectly honestly, that he didn't know his name and he wasn't sure where he was from. Eventually, he was led away from the chamber back to his room. On the way, they passed the room of the wounded knight. The poor man's wounds had become infected and were by now very smelly. Lancelot asked Sir Uwain what was going on. Sir Uwain explained about the wounded knight and his demands on anyone who agreed to remove the weapons. Reluctantly, he took the young man to see the knight. Lancelot wished the wounded knight well and said he hoped a knight would come and take up the challenge. In the morning, Lancelot was knighted. Nearly. He was not yet called Sir Lancelot because nobody, including Lancelot himself, yet knew his name. The ceremony was not quite completed, as King Arthur declared that the new knights must go to church first. After they had been, the king would perform the final part of the ceremony, belting on their swords. After the church service, the new, nearly knight, crept in to see the stinky wounded knight. Very quietly, he accepted the knight's challenge, and pulled the weapons from the poor man's head and body. As he was drawing out the rusty sword, Sir Uwain barged into the room. What on earth are you doing? he shouted. You fool! Some of the best knights in the land have refused to take up this impossible challenge. He sent for a doctor, so that the knight, now minus rusty sword and broken lances, could be cured of his wounds. The news spread through the court like wildfire. Guinevere was very upset. She had seen the way the new nearly knight had looked at her, and wondered if he was taking the challenge in order to impress her. King Arthur was very annoyed when he heard, and gave Sir Uwain a piece of his mind for not keeping a close eye on the young man. "'Sir, it wasn't my fault,' protested Uwain. "'I can't watch him all the time, and he was obviously determined. I have given him a good telling off.' In the drama, 
Everyone forgot that the new knight was not yet a knight. Nobody had buckled on his sword. There was no chance of this being remembered soon, as just as the kerfuffle over the wounded knight was dying down, a messenger arrived at the court. King Arthur, said the messenger solemnly, I come from the Lady of Nohort. The King of Northumberland is waging war on her and is laying siege to her castle. He says that she owes him money, but she does not. They have held talks and have agreed that they will do battle to see who is correct. The Lady must choose the number of knights who will fight for her. The King will put up an equal number to oppose them. My Lady has decided she doesn't want too many more men to die, so he, she has decided the fight will be between a single knight of hers and a single knight of his. As your subject, she asks you to send her a brave knight to fight for her. The new knight, or not yet knight as we now know, sprang up and asked to be given the job. King Arthur was not sure and was about to refuse when Sir Gawain stepped forward. He looked his new young friend in the eye and nodded solemnly. Then he turned to the king. Sir, grant this young man his request. I am sure he can do it. Gawain smiled at Lancelot, who nodded back gratefully. Before he left, Lancelot went to see the Queen. He knelt before her. My lady, I would like you to allow me to be your knight, wherever I may be. The Queen agreed and asked him to stand up. She reached out for his hand as she helped him up and held on to it slightly longer than she should have done. Then Lancelot turned and left, packed up his things, saddled his horse and rode from Camelot. As he left, Sir Uwain caught up with him and reminded him the king had not belted on his sword, so he was not yet a knight. Lancelot, he wanted to be knighted by the queen, not the king, made an excuse. He said that his squire had already ridden off with his gear and he'd have to ride after him and fetch the sword. Uwain waited, but it soon became apparent that the nearly knight was not coming back. Lancelot did not go straight to Northumberland. He defeated a few knights in combat on the way, receiving a few wounds in return. He won a prize for one knight and asked him to do a favour in return. The knight agreed to go to Camelot and tell of the new knight's victories. He also agreed to do another thing for him. He agreed to speak to the queen and ask her to send a sword with permission for the knight to belt it on. Then he would officially be a knight and he would be the queen's knight. This was done and the knight met up with Lancelot on the way to Nohort. The sword, and a very fine sword it was, was presented to Lancelot. He was officially a knight at last, although he still didn't know his own name. When he arrived in Nohort, though, he couldn't help the lady straight away. He had not sought any medical care for his wounds, and they had got worse. He needed two weeks of rest and treatment before he would be ready to fight. A fortnight is a long time in chivalry, and the word reached the court of King Arthur that the knight he had sent had not yet fought for the honour of the Lady of Nohort. Sir Kay decided to take advantage of the situation. Sir, it is quite obvious that this young man is not up to the task. Send me to do the job. It needs a fine, noble and valiant man such as me to get it done. Arthur agreed, and Kay rode to Nohort. When he arrived he got an unpleasant surprise. The new knight was now fully recovered and was about to fight for the lady. Sir Kay demanded that he be allowed to take up the challenge because King Arthur had sent him to do it. Both the lady and Lancelot wanted Lancelot to do the deed and a big argument ensued. Lancelot and Kay, being knights and not negotiators, decided to settle the issue by having a good old-fashioned joust. The lady of Nohort was horrified. 
There was no point in having two injured knights to fight for her, and she begged them to agree on who should do it. They couldn't agree. The lady, obviously far more creative in her ideas than these two testosterone fueled knights, contacted the King of Northumberland and agreed with him that they would each put up two knights. This seemed to appease both Lancelot and Kay, so they both rode out to defend the honour of the Lady of Nohort. Both knights fought valiantly. Lancelot, though, defeated his opponent easily, whilst Kay had a lot more trouble. Many times during the battle, Lancelot offered to swap opponents, since his was half dead and Kay's was still looking strong. The pig-headed seneschal would not accept help. Eventually, though, the King of Northumberland realised that King Arthur's knights were better than his, and agreed to leave the Lady of Nohort's lands. Sir Kay, grumping and bitter, rode back to Camelot and told everyone how great he was. He also mentioned that Lancelot had helped a bit. Lancelot didn't go back to Camelot. He had been told by the Lady of the Lake not to spend too much time there. He was to be a knight-errant, a wandering knight who looked for adventure. Finding more adventure was not to prove to be a problem. He didn't yet know it, but he was about to take on a quest that no other knight had yet achieved. After a few days of riding, he met a young woman. The poor girl was crying her eyes out, and Lancelot asked her what was wrong. She gestured back down the road. The people in that castle back there have killed my knight, one of the best and most handsome knights in all Britain, she wept. Why? asked the new knight. It is the evil custom of that castle. No knight has ever entered it and lived. The people are desperate and miserable. The castle is cursed by an evil enchantment. Lancelot smiled compassionately at the young woman, but inside he was joyful. This is what he had been looking for. The new knight was about to take on the challenge of Dolorous Guard. Next week we shall follow Lancelot as he takes on the challenge of Dolorous Guard. Until then, have a great week and I'll speak to you next time.